I'm your host, Josh Allen. Welcome to episode six of Still Rolling. If anything, hopefully this is providing a bit of mild, mad entertainment for you guys and girls. This is still the podcast that delivers everything and nothing in equal measures. You'll get a bit of film industry chat peppered in amongst anecdotes from seasoned professionals and some folks that are just finding their feet in the industry. This might be the last week I have to say that, but hopefully you guys are getting the picture anyway. This week, Dan Joyce is with us on this episode, and if you haven't heard of him, he was on a jackass-style show that took things to 11 in the mid-2000s. It definitely spawned a generation of lunatics, myself included. These days, Dan works as a filmmaker for the likes of world-famous skateboard shoe brand, Vans. He's in the process of opening his own skate shop in Folkestone, next door to what will undoubtedly be one of the UK's premier skate parks, and he'll be offering developing courses for 35mm stills and filmmaking workshops, utilising the skate park as a backdrop, which sounds pretty cool to me. That's enough for me anyways. Enjoy. We are lucky enough to be joined by Dan Joyce. Hey, Dan. Hello. He's here. I can <laughs> see you. I can hear you. This is wonderful. <laughs> How are you, sir? I'm very good. Yeah, I'm just uh, just sharing the link on my Instagram, actually. That's all right. We'll leave you to it for a minute. I want to, to be fair, I want to apologise to the audience for last week because we weren't live. Now, we have an absolutely good reason for this. It's Jake, our tech guy behind the scenes, who unfortunately the audience don't get to see. It's his birthday last week, so we had to let him have the day off. So happy birthday for Jake for last week, and I believe it was your birthday yesterday. It was right? my birthday yesterday. I still got my balloons up. <laughs> I can see that behind you. <laughs> Did you have to do anything nice? I went uh, canoeing down the Royal Military Canal in Kent. Sounds very official. <laughs> <laughs> it's it go? miles of uh, canal just set back from the shoreline. It was to do with one of the wars we've had. Did you do 20 miles? Did you do all 20 miles? I didn't, know. I, uh, it, I've not, uh, I'm new to canoeing, so. I'm brand new to canoeing. Like, a lot of different muscles that I wasn't familiar <laughs> and it was also my birthday so we packed a couple of drinks in there and then there all these these pros came past us and they went oh, you're taking it very very leisurely were people like, showing oh, off is that what happened <laughs> say that again were people showing off yeah yeah <laughs> putting you in your place you thought yeah. you were the man you were like yeah I've got my canoe out here it's my birthday and then just zipping past just yeah. <laughs> right, mate it sounds like you had a lovely day I'm trying to think of when we actually met um i'm gonna say it was a long old time ago i play this game with every one of my guests because some of them are old friends some of them are new friends but um it's important i guess to at least understand at least where we're coming from in jdm all stars i would imagine yes drifting world one of the films we're making around that series uh cobham maybe were you there no i don't think i was no i'm not sure i was that was one where you guys were you guys got kicked out didn't you uh, I believe so. <laughs> you believe so? You I mean, I didn't get point. kicked out. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was all right. <laughs> you were all right. Why did you get kicked out? Uh, why, sorry, uh, why did everyone else get kicked out? Uh, there was a crash, wasn't there? What? I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether that was why we got kicked out. I think we were too noisy, to be honest with you. Uh, noise regulations. Yeah, uh, BR Rev Limiter was what ah, it was. Possibly, Julian Smith. Possibly a gentleman <laughs> named Julian Smith. Why did I not see that one coming? <laughs> and uh, cow batter crashed into him as well. Oh, that'll ruffle some feathers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there was definitely top-notch insurance on the day as well and everything was very official, yeah? I don't. I wouldn't like to say. <laughs> Sorry, you were just, you were just the camera operator, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, I don't even think it was someone else's problem. <laughs> this is not the kind of productions we... Uh, 
we condone and as evidence has suggested we've had andy harris on the show not too long ago who was definitely that's before we met andy harris that's probably why so we, met. we we got to meet andy harris and then everything was uh, all official after then <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a, there's a couple of things that we want to say to the audience as well that obviously we're live here. So if anyone's got any questions, we will have opportunity to, to have a conversation with you guys. If you've got questions for myself or probably Dan, I don't I suppose you won't know anything from me, but you might have questions for Dan. So around the hour mark, we'll open up some questions and see if there's a bit of a dialogue from the public watching us. Um, but otherwise, we'll just get into some stuff that, I mean, there's a obviously our history is one thing, but the reality is, is that. I was aware of you before I even met you because of the show you're on. Now, we won't delve into it too much, but I feel like we can't not talk about it. There was definitely a few questions on my mind when I first met you because it was like I was – the show had probably just finished around that sort of time, right? So, yeah, it started in 2002. And show is Dirty Sanchez, till... by the way. We just want to make sure that's known. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it went on till 2007. Uh, 2006 was the last – the time we did the film, and then we did an advert with Nike which was in 2007. That was the last time we all worked together. It's quite funny. I was talking to my junior editor earlier, and I was like, oh, yeah, we've got, we got Dan Joyce on from uh, Dirty Sanchez. And he was like, what? Yeah, they don't have got no idea about it. I generally was <laughs> like, how? Yeah, but you've heard of Jackass. Like, that was... And it was the fact that he just has no idea and his humor and everything, like who he is as an individual, like all the stuff he's into is like so resonant. That it's like you just are completely unaware of that. For me, it was something that was pivotal in my upbringing. It was like another parent to us. Not, <laughs> not necessarily a good one <laughs> in terms of the influences that we had going on at the time, but it certainly was there. It was right on MTV. There wasn't many music channels at the time. There wasn't many places to watch that kind of stuff. Obviously, the internet wasn't prevalent. It was pre-YouTube, kind of wasn't it? Yeah, I guess. Of course it was. Yeah, it was. Before, uh, yeah, when we started doing the show, there wasn't any YouTube. So, and then to so the you, end of it. your fault is what we're saying. <laughs> well, the thing is, you can now see anything like way worse than what we do on the internet. But at the time, that was where you went to see that sort of thing. Which is just insane, isn't it? And that's the thing. It seems to have, I don't even know what would be responsible for kicking it off on the internet and YouTube and stuff, I guess. I guess give, it, give anyone enough of an audience and they'll start prattling about. But, I mean, from your perspective, how did that even get started? I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but I am actually interested. Like, how does a show like that even get started? Who has the idea of putting that on TV? Well, because we were skateboarders, so naturally all skateboarders document everything they do anyway. So... Within any group of skateboarders, there's one guy that, that's the filmer and he has the camera. So in my group, I was the guy who had the camera. So I was filming stuff from early 90s when I was maybe 15 or 16. And then I went to college and did it at college. And mm -hmm. Dainton, he was the filmer in his group from Wales. And he filmed a little scene video where he was from. And then... At skate comps, I used to uh, dress up, shall I say, uh, and <laughs> so it was kind of like streaking and stuff at skate comps. But I used to say dress, to dress up. up. <laughs> I used to dress up as a as a gimp, but it was like a really uh, low rent one made out of bin bags, and uh, I used to run onto the comp onto the course and act out these different scenarios. So you look like you just escaped from somewhere, is what I'm hearing. And then I'd just run off and then I'd get put my clothes back on and I, no one would suspect it was me. So 
uh, I was doing this at some quite high-profile big event back in the 90s. Come on, I mean... <laughs> And then uh, that was your chance to have this out publicly. Dayton, I feel like well, Dayton, Dayton saw what I was doing and he was like, Oh, do you want to be in my video? I'm going to make. And I was like, what are you making? He said, I'm making this cake video called Pritchard versus Dayton. And it, he said it was going to be, uh, they're basically going to have a boxing match at the end. And it was the training. And he said, I would like to give you a section in it. He said, do you want to do anything? And I was like, yeah, all right. I'm, I'm up for doing something. And, uh, we were at NAS, which is this uh, skate festival in Shepton Mallet. And we were there and he said, all right, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, I'll poo off a roof if you want. And he went, you wouldn't, would you? And I was like, if you want. So we did that. And then... How old were you at this time? Oh, I must have been in my 20s, 21, yeah. something like that. And then this video footage... Like, he literally wore the tape out from rewinding it and showing it to only people. And everyone was like, you would not believe what they've done. And it word spread before we'd even made anything about this video. So FHM got in contact with uh, Pritchard because he was working at Globe, which was like a skate shoe company. Yeah, skate shoes, right. And uh, they found him there and said, oh, we heard you've made this video with someone pooing off a roof. Can we see it? And they were like, well... We haven't really finished it yet, but you can watch our trailer. So we quickly made a trailer and sent it off to FHM. And they ran an article and come and spent the weekend with us for, just based on this. Do you think they'd and still do it these days? Do you think the show? FHM, they're, <laughs> no, no, they're not even going. They don't even exist anymore, do no, they? No. I remember it, but it's, I guess, <laughs> the difference that I don't know what that magazine would be even representing us now, to be fair. Oh, it's just the internet now, isn't it? I, yeah, so, I guess. Just put them all out of business, isn't it? So uh, they came and spent the weekend with us and then put the article out. And then someone saw the article from Channel 4, I forget the production company, but they did this show called Passengers. I'm not familiar. Yeah, it was like a Channel 4 late night show. Uh, TV was so different then. So many channels. (laughs) Rapido television. I think it was something to do with them. So they come and... In fact, it was the first time that parkour had been put on tv so that we shared an episode with some street racers from florida right and some guys that invented parkour so and they spent the weekend with us and then that i bet they were thrilled to be on a show with you guys oh no we weren't all together it was like a documentary thing and the Uh, they compiled the different clips together together yeah gotcha so then uh after that uh, MTV got in contact with us, this producer, and she was uh, doing a show called Shock Idol. It was around about pop idol time. They went, finding Britain's most shocking people. We want some presenters. Are you up for it? And they were like, mm, we're not presenters. And they said, "We've you don't really need to look. You found the most shocking people. So we gave them our, with the video had been done by this time, and we showed them the whole video, and they, they called us back in. They said, look, we're going to get rid of uh, that original idea of Shock Idol and we're just going to do it with you guys. But just we do really the want show to with you guys, guy. yeah. Because uh, Pancho was in it and said, can you bring him in because we want him to be part of it. What on earth? I just, that was it. It's just because that environment and that commissioning process, I want to say is so different now. I mean, obviously because of what the internet became. It sounds like we're 100 years old, isn't it? It's ridiculous. But that, that transition happened so quickly. You know, over the course of what? Yeah, 18 years, years ago. <sighs> Mate, that's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I appreciate you sharing that with me because it just seems to me one of those things that I just can't even 
I can't imagine what, because I deal with pitch documents. I'm dealing with like concepts and formats for shows and documentaries and films like on a fairly regular basis. And I'm like, right. Like how, what does the, you know, what does the, what's the strap line and the synopsis of that show even say? But I guess that was just someone who's Doing a producer. Off a roof. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started. <laughs> oh, mate, Jesus. Do you miss that time of life? Do you miss that show? No, I, I mean, I've got a child now, so I've had my fair quota of dealing with poo and I wouldn't want to go back to working with it. Uh, but I, it's, it's weird because once you get that out of your system, it's, it's gone and dealt with. So I, I guess from a year, young age, I wanted to be on TV and I wanted part of fame. But once I experienced it, I wasn't interested in it. I, what I enjoyed was the creative side of it and coming up with a whatever it wasn't the being on tv myself right uh so that's why i got into filming huh so it's more of a creative pursuit rather than just fame for fame's sake yeah well it's i didn't it's not something i'm familiar with so i mean it's it's very interesting for me to hear what that experience was actually like because i'm sure you must have gone places and people would have just been like oh you're that guy from that show do something stupid but yeah it was you'd end up uh you know, performing a load of stupid stunts for a load of like muscle heads and like people that I wouldn't have like really been in, like enjoying spending time with, you know, like you'd be end up at some house party and there'd be a load of like, like roid heads and yeah, stuff. And I was like, I was like, I'm not, I'm not really into this. <laughs> the darker side to it. <laughs> This was a bit of fun, but I suppose in that regard, it's, it, yeah, I mean, a lot of us get away with things that don't get on camera and you're kind of like, I'm kind of happy that that wasn't seen. <laughs> like, kind of happy that I got away with that, was doing something stupid or, you know, not, yeah, to not get into, we can get into that later, whatever stories we want to attach to those sorts of things, but essentially living your youth on camera and doing all the dumb stuff that everyone else kind of gets away with, but you were like put on show for it. Yeah, and... uh yeah, I've, I've, you know, I'm. It must have been fun though, right? It must, there must it be. Was, it was very good fun, but, you know, it's like a, any old band, I guess. You know, once you've been working on the roads and touring and stuff, you, you know, you just, you go your separate ways. And you, you guys did a movie and stuff, right? Life. What's that? You guys did a movie, right? Did a movie, yeah, with uh, Vertigo Films, uh, Nick Love's company. That's so crazy how far it went i got to know something. I swear there's a scene in that where someone loses a finger. Did that really happen? So, yeah, we were... So the idea of the show was Seven Deadly Sins. So basically they, they got us a round-the-world ticket and then they tried to loosely make a story from the going around the world. And <laughs> they were kind like, of what I'm talking about, about <laughs> concept and ideas. It's like, jeez. <laughs> so they were like, right, well, how, how can we divide... Oh, seven seven deadly sins or seven countries around the world. So uh, we just designed a different sin for each country. And oh. then, uh, well, I forget what Japan was now. I think that was greed or envy, something like that. So that's and a then, while ago. I'm not going to hold you to account on that. No, I'm I can't you. remember. <laughs> Don't worry but about it. Don't worry it about was it. all very loose. And then uh, uh, we, we were going to cut his finger off like For a real? Yakuza type thing. And then we had a health and safety officer and he was like, well, 
it's cool, but after we're in Japan, we've then got to go to Dominican Republic, uh, and it's going to be really hot, and you get infections with half fingers, so you won't really be able to film much. So you're joking. So we said in Japan, if we can, we can do this scene when we get back to the UK. So it was actually filmed in Stoke Newington, uh, in a in a flat in a Nissan Skyline that I borrowed, and we just went around that triangle in. Uh, in Stoke Newton, around uh, that corner. What the uh, hell? Yeah, yeah. So it's it wasn't actually Japan at all. <laughs> but you did it for real. Yeah. So we were talking about doing it, and and it's gonna make Andy Harris cry right now. He is literally at home, just wincing at everything you're talking about right now. Well, yeah, we were trying to work out. So they said there's no point in you cutting through the bone because it's just going to create too much of a mess. And for the look of it, you may as well just take take the end off because it's still going to look the same. So right. they got a cigar cutter and literally just chopped the, the end of it off. And it was the fastest way of it healing up afterwards. Oh, man. Who who was uh, drew the short straw there? Oh, Pritch was always going to do it. He, he, oh, yeah? He was up. Yeah, he, he got shot once. We were in... Uh, Sorry, what? Uh, he got shot with a, uh, what's it, a thingy jacket, uh bulletproof jacket oh geez and a shotgun we did it in prague from what uh, distance pretty close <laughs> and uh but the guy forgot to press record like the guy oh my God. i won't i won't say his name and uh it <laughs> that we missed and pritch was absolutely screwing that he missed it so he was like right well I'm, i'll just chop my finger off to and that was his kind of like I'll do it properly this time. Yeah, and he got shot, didn't want to do it twice. I'm not really surprised. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the audience that weren't familiar with the show, this is giving you a little bit of insight into just the kind of stuff that Dan used to get up to. <laughs> <laughs> that is so crazy. I mean, surely they're just like, I know obviously the whole point of it was just like escalating and, and, and you know, it just continually got further and further. But at what point did someone go, I'm, yeah, let's, just get a you know a, some body armor and shoot someone. <laughs> well, because we'd done the first series was sort of like an introduction to us, and we didn't yeah. really know what we were doing. So MTV rented us a house for six months in Cardiff, and we all just lived in it. And we had a box of props uh, that were always there. And whenever we like got drunk or fell asleep, we would just go into the the prop room and see what we had. And there was like dildos and mouse traps and stuff in there. So that was when Pancho fell asleep and we gaffer tape the dildos to his hands and <laughs> gaffer tape on the thing and then woke him up and he obviously couldn't, couldn't get them off. So, uh, yes, <laughs> but that took six months <laughs> to film. And, uh, because we just didn't know what was going to work. So we ended up spending loads of time doing stuff that just wasn't funny. And like we, we were doing stuff, uh, with the members of the public and trying to, you know, sort of prank people or pull sort of jackass type stunts. Hmm. So we used to go in like a one day. At any and, point, did a producer get involved and be like, let's actually get a writer into this? Uh, no, no, it was all very, very loose. We had like a couple of researchers who would, at MTV, they would test out some stuff. Right. So one of them said, oh, this is quite funny. If you put an Alka Seltzer in a, a, film camera kit, film ca- a film yeah, yeah. and then just pop it into your face and we were like surely that's not really very funny so we did it and it was one of the we had one of the best laughs ever just by 
messing around with those. The anticipation of waiting. Yeah, and like elastic bands just on your head going like that. It's just so funny how this is like YouTube stuff now. It's just so funny, isn't it? So there was all this stuff planned out. And we said, like, why why are we wasting our time? Why don't we just go to B&Q and we'll look down the aisles and work out what we can hurt ourselves with. So whenever we turned up somewhere new, we'd just go into B&Q and look and buy a load of things that we... Oh, that was the thing. If If you had the idea, you had to be the first one to do it. <laughs> Surely, that is that where the show stopped? Everyone was just like, "Nah, I'm not even going to suggest this because I'm." But just that's the done. thing. I, I never told them what my biggest fear was uh, in case. So I just said, "No, I'm not scared of anything," <laughs> because I knew that they were going to get me with it. So my biggest fear was uh, being trapped in a room full of birds. Oh man! Yeah, is that Kubrick? Like the, is I that the like issue? The way they flap? No. When I was a kid, I one flew into my room like a pigeon and i was in the bottom bunk and it was flapping around my head and i couldn't get it out of the room and it was pecking against the window like that oh out. man like, yeah it's really very so visceral was, experience that you didn't yeah. want to repeat <laughs> <laughs> but i've told them now so uh, uh luckily i'm not doing that again oh man when was the last time you saw those guys we did a reunion at christmas time uh we did two shows one in cardiff and another one in sheffield it's like and now a, you're never going to see them again because you've revealed the fear on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, someone just brings a load of uh, birds out on stage. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, feel, I feel partially responsible for this trauma now. <laughs> we brought this phobia to real life. Well, I appreciate you sharing it anyway. Either way. Things have obviously moved on quite elaborately since then. I mean, obviously you're married, you're a father now, different responsibilities, different interests. And I mean... Of course, straight away, the thing that obviously we met and we're a part of is this creative field. We're both learning, I guess, at the same time. I don't know how far along you were in that when I first met you, to be fair. Yeah, so when I was... I've been, I've been filming skateboarding since I was 16. And then uh, after Dirty Sanchez, well, when it became... It was coming to an end. Oh, that was it. It was the Gumball Rally. So I did the, the Gumball Rally. In I met you on this as well, I think. You had this drift car thing, right? Yeah, the yeah the uh, Nissan S S thirteen and S fifteen front on it. So I did a, a Gumball Rally in two thousand and six with Richie Warren, who used to fuel, the yeah. fuel fuel girls. Yeah, so I was friends with him because I used to get booked to do car shows to uh, do like uh, personal appearances. All of us did, of course, it. post the show. Yeah. Yeah, so I got to know Richie through doing these car shows. And then we were talking about the gumball. He said, oh, yeah, I've been doing it for years since the first one. And we were all like, I'd love to do that. He said, yeah, I can sort that out. I'm friends with Max. So he organized for all of us to go on it. And Pritch couldn't do it for some reason. He was doing a pilot. He had to live in a chicken shed with Pancho uh, for a week. And I said, you're going to sleep in a chicken hutch for a week as a pilot show instead of coming on the gumball? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, no. He lost uh, his mind by this point, surely, you're thinking. Well, yeah, and it, it was just a pilot that never came to anything. And he missed out on doing the gumball for, for that. What was that like? I actually, weirdly enough, I well, we'll get into that in a minute. I weirdly enough had a minor experience with the gumball. But yeah, feel free to indulge. Yeah, it was... It was 
the heyday of the Gumball, really, I think. And uh, it, we drove from London down to Serbia, and then we flew from Serbia to uh, Phuket in Thailand, and then we drove from there up to Bangkok, and then flew from Bangkok to Salt Lake City. That is a serious trip. Uh, and then drove from Salt Lake City to uh, Vegas, where Snoop did a private gig, and then ended up in the, Play- in the Playboy Mansion eight, <laughs> eight days later. So, and Richie was filming it all in my car, and he rigged it all up with little cameras, had a little switching unit in. And, uh, and then I was like, yeah, no, no one's filming like car stuff. And I was like, I need to film car stuff like skateboarding. So I bought, I buy, I bought a Sony uh, V1E and bought a Century Optics Ultra Fisheye for it. I was about to say, I saw you rocking around with the fisheye at some point. You definitely had that yeah. skater look going on for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that was kind of my thing. So I was like, well, I'll just film the car stuff like skateboarding. And uh, I used to just get the fisheye and just, so you could have a, a conversation with someone and just hold it here and get and everything keep talking to them yeah, yeah and it was and it didn't feel like i was going like that and people just would talk to me normally uh-huh. and that that was kind of like the whole so i used to just go and talk to people and just have the camera there like that and uh it's uh, an interesting style but it's so funny that we like are, are you aware are you aware of stefan bonini are you aware yeah. of Clash production yeah i don't know him i've never met him but i know his work yeah but it's so funny, like we had him explaining his um, his style and his way he gets his shots and ultimately that intimacy that he's able to achieve. And it's just so funny to hear the contrasting style. <laughs> it's like essentially the same thing, like able to get really close to people with wide lenses, but like spending an inordinate amount of time with that person to like close the gap in between them and like make no, sure they're No, just go closer. straight up to them and start talking like that. <laughs> 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 To be fair, we had a lot of fun looking at those videos, and I, it's, it was a real fun way of watching it in those events. And I think, yeah, it was interesting to see how those different styles kind of came together in that regard. Because you've got me and Al hanging out the back of um, an MX5, uh, again, much to the dismay of Andy Harris. Like, he keeps getting a <laughs> shout out, but we kept upsetting him. What do we have? Do you remember that? We had the, uh, me and Al Clark had the, an MX5 with a tripod. Yeah, loads of cord bungee cords and stuff wasn't it bungee cords yeah. <laughs> camera on top of the tripod and me had a out. jump halfway around oh man yeah so the racetrack we're working on had a, is a had a jump in it and for some reason racetrack's like, a car park sorry sorry <laughs> that is a <laughs> that is a <laughs> that is doing it too many favors <laughs> clearly i remember things slightly more romantically <laughs> It was a car park with a section that was like that. With <laughs> Next to Wembley. Yeah. So they'd painted some lines on and was a racetrack now for our purposes. <laughs> and it was just the loosest thing ever. It was like, right, cool. Send this, you know, uh, well, yeah, it was a drift car, of course, but it wasn't anything, anything near a race car. It was like, oh, cool, bolt in a roll cage and you're good to go. <laughs> Send that thing down there. We'll, be, we'll have it behind us and hopefully it won't catch us. By the time we get to the first corner, it slides in first and we're going to try and hold on to the camera, strap me into the car. I think I just had a seatbelt around me, I think. <laughs> and I was just like standing up, facing backwards out of the uh, MX-5 and just sort of like wielding the, it was a Sony EX3, that's what it was, out of the back and just kind of 
pointing and shooting and like aiming the frame somewhere towards the car and trying to get the car in frame. But that, to be fair, those were actually a lot of fun. We actually got some good, good stuff, good stuff out of that. Or at least in our memories, it was good fun. But no, it was it was generally a good time, wasn't it? To be fair, so that was obviously where we first, yeah, found each other. We worked together a couple of times since. To be fair, but. Then we just kind of just did our own thing. and right well, I stopped doing all car stuff altogether, actually. Yeah. Uh, I was doing a job for Monster, actually, filming some mountain bikers. And I was like, and I just sort of had like a, so I was like, I should stop filming cars because I didn't really, you know, it's not good for the environment and all that. Lot. And I was like, I should really be doing stuff that, you know, is promoting a better lifestyle, but like, but not that energy drinks are any good for anyone. But I was, I literally had like a little vision and I was like, no, I should stop doing cars and just focus on stuff that's promoting a better lifestyle. Well, I mate, to be fair, it's an incredible foresight of you. Mm. You know, that was a little while ago. So yeah, yeah, good man, good man. I mean, it's, it's hard to work out where to go next with your prolific career because it's all well and good talking about the TV days and all this stuff. But the reality is you've done a whole bunch of stuff with cameras, you know, and you, you, what you're doing in your own right with uh, Joyce Division, your company, right? Mm. Out of the name. Um, you've just been going from strength to strength. And I've just witnessed that. It's been really fun, actually. It's really weird, this wonderful world of the internet, isn't it? With Instagram and all that sort of fun stuff. I can see what you're up to. And we don't have to talk to each other. So I, I get yeah. to know what you're up to, like a little weird spy over here. <laughs> I see all this cool stuff going on. I think the last thing I was like, I see a couple of things. I'm like, how did he even come up with that? You had this, I don't know what it was. I forget the technology. You have to remind me, but it was the, um, you had Slimer from the Ghostbusters. Oh, yes. In one of the clips. What on earth was that about? How do you believe uh, it? You have to check out Dan's Instagram for this, by the way. Yeah, I could. I've got it upstairs. I should show you what it is, actually, because you'll be amazed when I show you. Oh, we'll leave it up to the audience. We'll, we'll come back to it later. Yeah, we'll, so when you show a when clip... When you need a wee I'll, later, we'll come Yeah, in. when you show a clip, I'll quickly run up and uh, I'll go and get <laughs> it. It's a pixel stick. Right. So, but I made it... Well, the one I've got, I've made, but this was a... You purchase. made it? Yeah, so... Uh, are you familiar with Adafruit? This is me. <laughs> right. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, Arduino boards. Uh, like, you know about a Raspberry Pi? Yes, yeah, a little computer, right? Yeah, so Arduino boards are like Raspberry Pi, but even smaller, and they can uh, program LEDs to fire at different intervals over different periods of time. And then you can program it uh, you could write the image onto an SD card, put that in, and it will make whatever image you want over LEDs over a period of time. So mm-hmm. you just have one line of LEDs, and then you have your SD card inside it, and you do long exposure photography, and you go mm-hmm. like that, and it makes whatever you want in the air. Oh, and my. then you take the photos. And but you had some really good results with this. I was really like animate what? them all together. Yeah. So I was animating the, this pixel stick, and the Slimer image was just a free one you got off their website. That looks so cool. I was like, you how do you do put, this? You can put anything you want in there. So I've built my own one, uh, and yeah, you could just program, put your image on the SD card, put it in, long exposure, and it will write whatever you want in the air. 
but it's I think what's so fascinating about this sort of stuff is that it's just so far away from where my kind of brain is at creatively uh, it's just so weird I'm like I love it to bits I love when I saw that I was like that's so cool but like it's funny you know you have these different parts of your career where you, I don't know if you felt the same way but certainly for me you kind of evaluate yourself creatively and like is that where I'm at am I that good? Is this what I'm doing? You know, and you kind of think figuring yourself out, I guess, getting to know your own style and things. And I just, I, you know, immediately I knew we were on different sort of mental planes with our creativity, but I was always enamored with those things. I was like, what, how do you even come up with this? Where do you even find it? Yeah. I started working with developers and stuff, uh, and then programmers and coders and, uh, people who write different, like filters for like I did this job with uh Nike and uh it was like a live streaming event mm-hmm. but I started working with all the the people that wrote the code to affect this live broadcast so if you tweeted in different uh commands your image that you got would have these different they I guess they're just like filters now but this mm. was back in 2000 and 12 2013 so it was all yeah. quite new and that tech was all quite new yeah i mean it's still in its so it's the way it's executed still still is very unique isn't it mm. in any regards it's just always fascinating to me to see where those different things come from i mean obviously you, i'm sure you never really evaluated it and went how did i come up with that idea but it just became very interesting to me <laughs> it was working with skateboarders so a yeah. lot of skateboarders that i knew from when i first started skateboarding that which was before Dirty Sanchez, have all gone mm. in and into different uh, creative careers. So, you know, like Palace Skateboards, you know, I, I knew a lot of those people through through years ago and I've been, uh, I was, I filmed a few things with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just... Where did you meet them? Were they escape, uh, competitions and stuff you were streaking at? Or? <laughs> yeah, so all of my... <laughs> My f- friends are based around those those times because it was very small. So there wasn't there was only like four or five skate parks in the country, and then if there was a skate comp, like every single skater would go to them, and you got to know every skateboarder in the country because it was such a small community. How is that different now? I mean, I'm I'm kind of well, aware, a but skateboard par- uh, skate park in every town now. That's a wonderful thing. Probably only yeah. five or six in the country. Yeah, I remember rocking around at like, I don't know, 13 to 15 years old with a BMX and sort of trying to scope out places and hopping on buses and ending up in the other end of the country and going like, oh, cool, there's an indoor skate park here. And then like a year later, it shut down. And you're like, damn. Yeah. And there's like some loose end of town, some like junkyard somewhere where you're like going to go and BMX and skate and stuff. And it's just like, ah, cool. I got a black eye today. So <laughs> <laughs> lost a few teeth. That's cool had to call the police and get them involved. <laughs> like that was kind of how it was for us when we were kids. How old are you? Me? Yeah. I am 32 in one month's time. Oh, uh, see, I'm 44. So yeah. we experienced different I'd eras of that skate. Generation really. before you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah to be fair, it's, it's interesting to see how those things, because it was. I guess it was starting to change as I was going through those ranks, but I was. Yeah, I started bouncing my head off of stuff and really started hurting myself on a BMX and started doing bigger and crazier stuff. And I was like, huh, this actually hurts now. I mean, to be fair, I tried to pick up a BMX a few years ago and did the same thing. I went to Adrenaline Alley in Corby with a good friend of mine, Martin Cooper, who's a 
very talented chap and um we were trying to do backflip training into the uh, the foam pit there and that did not go so well i bent i bent a bmx frame fully in half open it <laughs> and i was like if that had been me yeah <laughs> i would be in foam pits i was like oh in my head this is a safe place no <laughs> but now i've recently picked up a, a much more uh, safe pursuit which is skateboarding skateboarding yeah <laughs> i've now decided to become a skater in... well there's less metal to get caught up in i don't know man i've i've hit the deck a few times now and <laughs> i had to call the doctor yesterday no bullshit i was like I, i've hit my arm really hard on the ground nothing's broken i just want to make sure nothing's actually wrong <laughs> it's like it still hurts after like a week <laughs> She was like, I don't think skateboarding's for you, Josh. <laughs> no. Well, it depends what sort. Like, if you do pool skating, yeah, you can get away with not doing that much and still look quite good. I, to be fair, we, if you we've can skate a pool, that's pretty badass. So we, we're starting to figure this out. Is just get to the top and look like you know what you're doing. Oh, mate, this is absolutely what I need. This is the advice I need right now. We're enamored with the pool because obviously, you know, the movies, Dogtown and all that sort of stuff and affectionate about those from many years ago anyway. And then it's like, oh, I don't admit. You know, it was Extreme Sports Channel sent me a skateboard. (laughs) Yeah. And it was in the garage. And I was like, right, let's just push it around, see if this works out. And if I don't fall off and die in the first couple of days, I'm sticking with it. We'll see how it goes. And it got that far. And then I was like, well, I'm buying a skateboard. Right now I've got my own one. And now I feel like a professional. I'm like, what yeah, I'm rocking get? around. Uh, what, what? Deck what or... What skateboard did you get? Yeah. Oh, mate. I... Do you know Matt Murray? No. This is a, a really good friend of mine, incredible camera operator, Matt Murray. Um, I just basically bullied him. I was like, Matt, I love this skating stuff, but this board sucks. So <laughs> I need to get some new stuff. It's not turning. It's not so good. And it's like, look, get a skateboard, get a good one now. So you learn on a good one. It yeah. turns properly. The trucks work and then you can work on that stuff. So I was like, I just basically bullied him into getting all the bits and pieces. We went through it and I was like, cool, right. Solid deck. He was like, it doesn't really matter too much. You can tell me if he's telling me, if he's lying to me right now. Deck doesn't matter too much on the brand. As long as it's a reputable brand, it'll be the good, you know, be a good solid start. Trucks wise, height's a different thing. So yeah. like stick to a good brand, venture or independent. I went independent because I went Indi- for a slightly higher one. Best, yeah. yeah, it was solid there. And I got some Spitfire wheels. Oh, nice, yeah. Nice, nice hard plastic ones. Like yeah. Hard urethane, sorry. Yeah, hard urethane. And a good solid size. And it's working so far so good. And what I'm deck did you go for? Our element deck. All oh, right. I would grab it, but it's, I think it's yeah, in the car, yeah. actually. <laughs> but mate, I'm absolutely loving it. But it's interesting to see as well, like how many how much of those kind of skateboarding videos that are, that meant nothing to me when I was a BMXer. I was watching like demolition videos with like ripped off soundtracks. These were, these were pretty much punctuated, not only my musical taste, but my, like all of my tastes as a kid seeing these BMXers wreck hard, but then like it's got Pat Benatar and Iggy pop and all this sort of stuff as soundtracks. And now I'm looking back at those videos. I'm like, how did they get those tracks for those videos? <laughs> they took place, right? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And it's like, and then obviously we, when I started making clips myself, I'm like, oh, cool. I'll just put this whatever track on there. And then I get like this, oh, this is a copyright infringement. What's that? <laughs> yeah. The thing is, back in the day, you know, you would have made a DVD and just sold it in your local BMX shop and 
no one was checking where the mute, but you know, it was probably only about 150 people that ever saw it. So, which is so funny, isn't it? Because like the ones we got, well, like De- Demolition, the brand BMX brand, was one that came over from the states, and I had to forget how we even got hold of it. But it was probably, I mean, we read the, we read the magazines. Man, that's such a part of the. That's a pivotal part of like what's missing as well. It's like those magazines were such a portal to the culture. I was like, right, cool. I got a magazine, and it's like there's all the parts. There's all like the places to go, the skate comps or the BMX comps or whatever. But also then like, oh, you know, here's the latest video that not necessarily the reviewing, but it was shouting it out. And it was like quite common for those brands to sort of shout their own videos out and stuff. So are you familiar with HiMag? Hmm. Right. So it's it's in London uh, and it's the largest magazine archive in the world, I think. And they've, it's basically the internet before the internet because it's, they've got every single copy of every, well, pretty much most mags you could imagine. And, and the, that was what people had, you know, you have, and I went there and you, it was a very small focus of popular culture. So everyone had to, had a limited resource of what, what made, the influence i guess mm. and I uh, as well isn't it like just how many of those kind of you know i can't come on the skate ones i'm i would love to look into some of those now as sort of like back catalogs for sure but certainly in terms of understanding that those they were kind of they were run by people that were involved with the sport they weren't run by publishing companies that were looking to sort of you know you know whatever grab a bit of the culture and put it out there. They were like, right, there's a skateboarders or their BMXs or someone else that's actually putting this thing together. No, that's kind of my impression of it anyway, like the ones we were reading anyways. I guess it probably went that way eventually. Did you get any affectionate memories of skate mags and stuff like that? Or was it all videos? For you? Well, that was what started uh, Dirty Sanchez because we would, you would get your photo in a magazine and then at a comp, they might take another photo of you and you'd get known through the magazines. And that's how I got yeah. to know uh, Pritch, Dayton, and Pancho because they were, were featured in magazines before, and you know then uh, I got a had an article in there like with an interview, and that they contacted me after that actually. Huh. Was there any of these guys actually like professional skaters? I use that in inverted commas. Yeah, obviously. Pritch was a pro. Dayton was a pro. Uh, me and Pancho weren't pros. Yeah, I use it in inverted commas, so I understand there's very different ideas of what constitutes a professional. I mean, even then to now, it's so weird, isn't it? I remember being like involved in that kind of world early on and being like, oh, you're a professional. That's your job now. Like that's your, that's your deal. You're kind of set. <laughs> like as a kid, you looked up to it. It's like, oh yeah, if you're a pro anything, that's just who you are now. Like I was a captain, Dave Mira and Matt Hoffman, you know, these kind of guys. And obviously you'd have had your own heroes, I'm sure, with skateboarding, not the conventional ones, I'm sure. Well, Pritch was one of the, he was one of the better known pros in the uk there was uh jeff rowley and tom penny they they sort of went to america Mm -hmm. but they were the biggest pros from the uk that went to america but then pritch was one of the biggest pros from the uk that stayed here oh no way yeah who else was your influences skating wise i mean oh tom penny he was the the best skateboarder in the world no way yeah Man, I got to do some research now. Yeah, yeah check him out. Stuff. There's an Instagram page called Cult of Tom, and it's basically all of his best clips. And, yeah, he was doing stuff back then that people still don't even do now. 
All right. Oh, man. What's, what sort of style? I'm going to try and pretend to know what I'm talking about. Uh, his style is effortless and he just sort of, he'll float through the air and he, he just, he landed things like first go and you would see him at a comp and yeah, he just, uh, you wouldn't see him trying it over and over. He would just mm-hmm. come out and just do something and land it first go and everyone's like, what the fuck? Uh, mate, I'm going to have to look it up. As, it. <laughs> oh, it's all right. We're actually we're we're classified as explicit in the podcast world now. So apparently, we can swear. Too many of my previous guests were potty mouths. So now we've got a swear board as well. <laughs> no, I, I don't like the swearing ones because I like to listen to my podcast in the car, and I've got okay. a, a young well, daughter, and I have to turn them off now. I shall make sure that we keep this nice. Yeah, yeah. And... You'll get is you'll get much more people listening. <laughs> that's good to know this is the kind of feedback that we need (laughs) for sure so i appreciate it how many of those uh i say say how many of those brands but those brands that are now synonymous with skate culture we look at vans you've been lucky enough to work with like what's that experience like is that really cool for you to get that call they're really good they're probably one of the best clients i've got uh because they just they trust your judgment and they know because um, if you're a skateboarder, you kind of know how skateboarders... You know, there's so many unwritten rules that you can and can't do that only is, if you're a skateboarder, you would know. So, Come on. Unwritten uh, rules. Let's, well, let's like, you, can't, you can't hold the truck with your hand. Like That's called mall grab. And then there's another one where you can't <laughs> kick with your back foot on the board and push with your leading foot you have to have your leading foot and then cook with your back foot uh-huh. uh but there's little things like that but they trust that i know what oh you're seeing you're like sort of like the sense checking stuff so like yeah if so you're they putting some they, yeah okay gotcha they just but they just let me do what i i want really so that i had one brief i had to do this video and they didn't ask me to do anything i just did the whole thing myself and then just handed it in and there weren't any changes or anything. They- I'm not all that surprised if I'm honest, <laughs> because again, talking about your style earlier, I know it's a tough thing to talk about your own style, getting someone like putting someone on the spot being like, Oh yeah. Can you explain your style for me? It's bullshit. But oh, sorry, I'm cursing funny kid there again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's kind of ridiculous to try and pin it down. But the reality is you do have a very unique style and it's, you know, I would, I'd struggle to find the right words to explain it, but incredibly unique, incredibly creative. And these people that can see the products that you've put together, I'm sure it's not complicated for them to go, like, all right, cool, we just want a piece of Dan. Dan can just put your mind to this task and here's a bit of a brief, whether it be, I don't know, a location or those sorts of things. I mean, yeah, you know more than me in that regard. Is it that sort of thing? They just sort of give you a person to go and hang out with or they give you a location? Or Well, yeah, I mean, fans, they just trust what I do so i did this one recently with offspring it was like a collab shoe they did as in the band no as in the uh, oh, footwear man. retailers oh, man. <laughs> and uh, Got my hopes up there <laughs> i know they're probably starting i'm not around here i'm sharing my age again <laughs> but they uh, so it was a surfer and uh they'd it was one of their pro servers that they sponsor uh-huh. and uh they just gave me his details and i just arranged the whole shoot but I wanted to do it in Kent because that's where I live. But unfortunately, there's no surf in Kent. So 
I had to design this whole shoot of him looking for the surf <laughs> and obviously he doesn't <laughs> find any. So he goes skating uh, and then finds a, a disused uh, pool in someone's back garden and then ends up skating that was the closing shot. But I just uh, planned the whole shoot myself and they, they didn't, I love how simplified you've just made that for everyone. <laughs> it's just like, there's just a bit of this. And then he just does this, and then that's it, really. Yeah. I can see how you get your work now, because like, if I was a producer, I'd be like, all right, crack on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, good man, good man. I'm glad to hear that those things are out there for you, man. That's the thing. It's good to hear those, obviously, it's good to hear those clients are like hands off with people like yourself as well. They just let you get on with it. So many times you hear, stories you know i don't want to recount any of them now but like where people just get a bit too hands-on and it's like the reality is your style is the thing that you're bringing to the table and if they micromanage you they're going to lose that yeah the most to be honest most of the people i work with it they just let me get on with it i mean there is occasions where you know you're 15 changes in and you still still haven't come to the right edit that you want but that doesn't really happen very often anymore yeah that's good to hear that's good to hear and it also brings me on to um, you know, saying that you're into skateboarding, involved with skateboarding, is kind of underselling it a bit because you've also been, you know, active in the community of skateboarding as well. Um, obviously, one of those elements is the different locations we've got around the country, which is specifically Southbank in London. Um, mm. Been a pivotal skate pot, skate spot, even um, for many, many, many years. What's going on over there? What's what's happening? So when I was at uni. I went, I was at University of Westminster out in Harrow and I got my grant back then and I went and bought a, oh, I forget what camera it was, it was a Sony, it was a Canon Hi8 with the interchangeable lenses. Hi8. Yeah, right. with the interchangeable lenses. <laughs> I got it. And Glorious picture quality from what I remember. <laughs> but I got one of those and, uh, and then I started filming skateboarding with it and I would go down the South Bank and I was just, I didn't bother going to any of the classes. Uh, and then I got to meet all the skateboarders, all the uh, pros, the guys from the magazine. Yeah. And, uh, and then my camera got stolen and then I didn't bother doing my second year and I ended up getting a job in a skate shop after that. So it was, and then, South Bank, they contacted me. So the the Long Live South Bank, this all the skateboarders created this group uh, to try and save the space because where the the bit un, the Undercroft, they were going to sell it off to like Starbucks and stuff like that. And all the skaters were like, "No, no, you can't. This is our space. We we need to put so much heritage." So they created this group called Long Live South Bank to try and save it. And then... What kind of opposition are they hitting there? Is it just commercial and, and that sort of stuff? Was it council so the, or what? The so South as far as I know, South Bank's been relatively supported by the council, right? It's weird because the South Bank Centre is uh, public funded money mm -hmm. from the Arts Council and various different uh, charities. But they were trying to sell off that space for commercial gain so that they could expand their building. And then the skateboarders, uh, oh, my, my family have just returned. That's all right. <laughs> they can join the party. <laughs> so the, uh, 
I forget where I was at now. It's all right. We're doing Long Live South Bank. We're doing the commercial enterprise was trying to take over. And oh, yeah. They were trying to sell it off. So the, all the skateboarders rallied themselves together and they created this group and they uh, got a board uh, table outside the front of it and got petitions and they got the highest amount of oppositions to a planning permission ever. And then like in the UK or in like what ever. Yeah. And they handed it in and, and then they saved the space and then they were like, right, we've saved it. Now we want the old bit back because in 2005, I think they boarded half of it up and got rid of it. So it was just a little bit at the front and all the skaters were like, well, we want the old bit back. So they said, well, you can, but it's going to cost you, I think it was two million to do Whoa. it. So the skaters went, All London right, real we'll, estate. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll raise the money ourselves. No way. All the skaters started another campaign. No way. And they raised, they raised over two million. And then Sadiq what? Khan said, whatever money you raise, I'll double it. I'll match fund whatever you You're can. kidding. Yeah. So they, they got all the money. That's amazing. And you've been supporting them with the uh, the video stuff as well, right? So, yeah, yeah they, they wanted a film about this whole, what had happened. So I've been following them on Twitter for a long time. We'll see if I we can get this. To, we'll see if we can get Jake to roll this film for us as well in the meantime. Hopefully, Dan and I can't see this, so hopefully you guys can see this at home. If not playing right now, I'll play very shortly. But this is, uh, this is the work that Dan's been doing with the... With it is up, it's up on screen right now, boys. Perfect. It's going ahead. So, Dan, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there, Dan. Please continue to talk. Is it playing now, is it? Yeah, it's playing now. All right. But no audio? No audio, no. No audio, no. So, yeah, they contacted me and were like, can you make a film about uh, what we've been through? So I work with Sussex University, uh, the Humanity Arts Research Council, and we just interviewed everyone to do with the story and how how they managed to save the space. Oh, brilliant. And that's been, has that been part of then the fundraising campaign or is it just something to show what's been happening? Yeah, that was after uh, they'd won the campaign and after it had all been, it was actually made just before it was reopened. Amazing. So a celebration of the efforts. Yeah. Oh man, that's really cool. That's really good to hear. Like, and I'm downplaying South Bank when I'm talking about it. It really is. It's just such a hugely famous and pivotal spot for the skating community within, you know, within UK and certainly famous beyond those borders as well. So that's really cool that you're involved in that. But it, it was, that was the first time that skateboarders really had to stand up for what they believed in. Um, mm. I mean, I'm not political at all, but as soon as I found out that Skate South Bank was going to be sold off, mm. I immediately got up and was like, no, no, this is really important. And everyone did. Like, I think Tony Hawk did as well. And, Chad Musker was another famous skateboarder. So many people got behind it. And the the uh, South Bank Centre didn't realise the, the they thought skateboarding was a fad and mm-hmm. the people that did it just did it and then quit. Mm. They didn't realise they they were skateboarders forever and their their children would skateboard. Uh, they didn't realise the creative industries that they were all involved with through skateboarding. Of course. And this whole interlinked and the arts and they well, it spans like, through other cultures as well, doesn't it? Like if you look at fashion, if you look at all these types of things, so many things have been inspired by that skate culture, right? Yeah, they they had no idea, and uh, and that was their 
that they apologized for really they said sorry we didn't realize that you know this was what they're a bit short-sighted for the yeah so uh that came across in the film the uh mike i forget his name now uh he was like the md of the south bank center he he apologized and it was in the film i bet he was blown away i say he made the cut too he was in there yeah oh good man Good man. Well, and I managed to get Dennis Crompton, who was the architect who designed it, the only one still alive. No way. Effects. Yeah. Oh, right. That's brilliant. Uh, where yeah, can, the he, audience, he where said, can the audience check that out as well? Say that again? Where can the audience check this out? That's on my Vimeo. Uh, check out Joyce Division Vimeo, yeah? Yeah. And you can have a look at that in all its glory and listen to it, pay attention to it, not just you know, wantonly playing it over our podcast right now. <laughs> Some visual cue. So you were going to say something about the architect? Yeah, so that was what he said. He said when they designed it, they wanted the building to be interpreted as anyone wanted, and they didn't want it just to be like one one thing. One purpose, one no. thing. Ah, oh, that's amazing. I mean, you mentioned there as well, like the lifetime skater thing is quite interesting to me because that's kind of, what I've been discovering about it in, in many regards, but from your perspective, I was really, really pleasant to see that you're encouraging your young daughter to skateboard as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, female skateboarding is, is definitely like when I grew up, it was very much a, a young male thing. Uh, but now it's, it's not, it's, there's a lot more females starting and young girls. I mean, there's, uh, a thing in uh, Afghanistan called Skatistan. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar, actually. Yeah, it's an incredible so thing. they went into one of the war zones in Afghanistan, and there was nothing for uh, women to do. Uh, so I think skateboarding, they didn't see it as a. It was more like a hobby, it not like a, a sanctioned sport. So all these women just started doing it. And it, it's become this cultural thing for women in Afghanistan. And uh, I've seen some of the shots; they're pretty yeah. incredible, like skating and then like mountains. <laughs> it's just yeah. like what? <laughs> like just some flat concrete area, bits and pieces going on, and then like oh, there's just a mountain behind there and a bunch of skaters. Now it's really amazing to see that those things are. Yeah, it's just that's why I wanted to talk about skateboarding today because it's just one of those things that just finds its way into different pockets of cultures. But ultimately it's kind of all been, you know, brought together by different means of being able to kind of film it. That's what's kind of spread it out like different, whether it be documentary or whether it be like clips that people are throwing together on their own YouTube channels or, or whatever it might be. There's kind of like this far spread kind of awareness of it as a thing for one, but nice. No, it's, it's cool. And like, you've got your daughter, a little skateboard kit, right? My imagination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She skates. Uh, Blast Skates Junior. So that's another company I do a bit of work with. Mm-hmm. Blast Skates. They're kind of like a grassroots skate company from London, based around uh, Stockwell Skate Park. Have they just started then, or they've been just <laughs> yeah, a small? For probably about five or six years now, okay. but it's very low key and it's kind of organic, and you know that they sell out straight away as soon as the boards come out. He doesn't do a uh, lot of uh, big volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the, he did these ones called Blast Skates Junior, so he wanted to make the foot my first skateboard. Uh, and it was, 
he wanted it to to feel like something you you treasured and uh, it all come in one box and it's you write your name on it, it says this belongs to and it's yeah my first skateboard race that's really cool again check out dan's instagram for that i'm not doing it much justice myself and <laughs> but to see it it's really nice it's a nice well presented thing it's got the wheels the trucks and it's like build it yourself and have some ownership i took great pleasure in building my own skateboard so i know there's a, a weird tangible feeling attached to sort of like creating that one bit of thing but no it's really cool to see that they've got that different application they'll have the design as well on those sorts of things yeah was it those guys that had the design workshop or was that someone else? Yeah, so that was something I did with them as well. It was design your own skateboard. So it was part of uh, Brixton Design Festival or something. Mm-hmm. And they took over this space and it was design your own skateboard. So all these young people came in and they got a board and they designed their own graphics. And you know, I took Margot along and designed her own board. And I, my, her board I made for her was based on the first skateboard i ever had amazing um, yeah yeah so i just that's so cool copied the graphics of that that's so nice that you got to do that though i i'm just of course i'm enamored with it because i'm just like finding out all these wonderful things about <laughs> skateboarding as well so you have to forgive me for being really enthusiastic <laughs> about it but <laughs> i mean it's so interesting as well like you relocated for it as well like there's this whole new skate park development we talked about briefly before like what's yeah, the deal well, with all moved that down to folkestone and yeah. uh the so Folkestone traditionally has been, a, well, after the, the Channel Tunnel was built, it was mm-hmm. a, a port, of, had a hovercraft port here. And then when the Channel Tunnel got built, that all went into disrepair. So the whole town just went to shit, basically. And, uh, You're cursing now, not reg- me. Well, You're cursing re- now. <laughs> they're trying to regenerate the town through skateboarding and art. So they've built a uh a multi- council promoted or it's the roger dehan trust so the person who used to own uh saga holidays he sold it <laughs> right for, okay for something billion and he had all this money and he was like i want to sort my town out where i come from no way and make it better so their idea was to build a skate park in the middle of the town like and they want it to look like a church and for it to be something that you aspire to uh and want to become a skateboarder and put it right in the center of town so it's three levels on the ground floor they've got built these bowls the next one up is going to be a street course and the next one up is going to be like a wooden flow thing that goes all up yeah i've checked out the website and the the graphics and design and the renders look incredible it looks like something like Oh yeah, someone probably came up with that great idea and maybe one day it will happen in someone's imagination. It just seemed like one of those crazy ideas that would never happen, but it's like I'm time lapsing it at the moment actually. You're kidding. No. So what is there a site for it that people can check out? Yeah, uh Folkestone F fifty one, the skate park's called. Yeah, I you know, implore people to check it out because it's something to behold. Um obviously plans are delayed with the current situation, but when are they guys uh, looking to open it? It was meant to be this July, but building stopped. But of course, of course. I went down there yesterday, and they started putting the cladding up. So I've, I'm using these Brino cameras for doing time lapse of building this sites. Is another thing that you just always bring to the party. We haven't even started <laughs> talking about cameras yet properly. I just know that you're just always going to come out with these little like, oh, I've just got this magic gift that just does everything I need it to do, and I've never heard of it. Yeah, they <laughs> they run off AA batteries, and the batteries last for eight weeks. What? 
Yeah, so you can do time lapse for eight weeks and then before you have to change the batteries. I mean, that can't be, there must be some, I'm talking quality now. Like, what, what sort of resolution? I, are you getting it's, uh, there's 720. No, I think it's 1080 actually, the new yeah. one. It's, I mean, it's not amazing, but it's good for like an Hello. Instagram clip. Yeah, yeah. And then to be fair, something that you can leave there, especially with a project of that magnitude, it's just going to keep going. I think I might have attempted a time lapse of some sort of building being put up uh, 10 years ago and just was very quickly <laughs> disillusioned with the process. It was like, <laughs> oh, this is what's involved with this, then, is it? Uh huh. I should have quoted more. <laughs> <laughs> Such a funny thing. But. You've got some. You're going to do some stuff with those guys as well. Are you going to, are you going to run a store out of there, or is it just in the town that you're going to run a store? So yeah, I'm opening a skate shop opposite the skate park, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm going to be running workshops for filmmaking, photography. I'm going to do setting a dark room up. Uh, How are you going to do that? I mean, I, I'm asked because I've thought about it. I'm not looking for your trade secrets. I'm just kind of intrigued. I love the idea of setting a dark room up and kind of like all comers like come and hang out in the dark room but like i kind of am terrified of the idea of just i don't know it's a dark room you know chemicals it's very simple it's very simple i've been yeah so i've been uh shooting film for maybe two years mm -hmm. and developing my own photographs for the last year color or just black and white just black and white so okay. far yeah i've got everything to do color and i will probably do that at a later date but i'm just going to do black and white at first because I want it just to be quite simple. So have a group of skaters come down, give them a camera and a roll of film, mm -hmm. go in the skate park, uh, set the flashes up for them, take the skate photo. Helps if you've got a location, right? Well, I've got three floor skate park. <laughs> and then come Fair back enough. come back, and then develop the photos. And I'm going to do safe set, because there's going to be kids coming down through the summer or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'll do like a course where maybe one day they'll do photography, another one do filmmaking, another one do podcast, something like that. So I'm going to get a podcast studio in there as well. All right, mate, we're going to have to come and check it out. We might have yeah. to host one of our episodes down there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're going to have to keep us up to date with the opening. I'm super excited about it for obvious reasons. but many Well, we're going to be doing live streams as well. So I wanted to do a, a 360 live stream, but I'm not sure what's out there yet so you haven't figured out yet that does well, surprise me i have been how much tech information you have <laughs> i've been doing stuff with the insta 360 one x but i've been i've also done the insta 360 pro which is stereoscopic but it's it's a, a bit of a minefield that <laughs> uh, yeah we've tried a few different situations um when we've been to goodwood for the past three or four years and we've done filming with the ford team the drift team mm. uh von gittin jr um we've had different ones because they want to do like a 360 that you can obviously then do the the trip up the goodwood hill you can do the full race and stuff like that and we've we've tried different scenarios we've never found the perfect solution we ran the the first iteration, which was the GoPro like cube thing, yeah, which was just oh, it's just so cumbersome. And then you've got to make sure the workflow, ah, oh, the workflow <laughs> is such a pain. But then it was like, right, it honestly at that point in time, I was like, if someone's in charge of this and someone's, it's their thing. It's nothing to do with me. Yeah. We get a specialist for this, as we should have done anyway. The Z cam, I've used that as well. That was quite good. I did uh, something for Lad Bible. It was for the release of uh, Baby Driver film. 
Okay, I saw a glimpse of this, but I didn't see what it was. I'm going to have to check it out myself. So, yeah, it was for Loud Bible, did a 360 film uh, with a Subaru going around a, like a Ken Block style course. Uh, yeah, it was good. But yeah, Zcam I used in the end. It was good. Hmm. Yeah, I think one we used was a Nikon one. Uh, what else did we use? I forget now. I think find out the Nikon one. I only had camera on both sides, but it was the easiest in terms of workflow. I think yeah. you just had to like import it and send it to YouTube, and it kind of figured itself out. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know if I'm sold on 360 tech at the moment. Well, I think I kind of, with what's yeah. happened with the Corona and all this lockdown, I think there's definitely going to be a push on it because you're going to be able to create these new worlds with huh. with the headset, and you'll be able to create your own virtual nightclub or your own virtual shop and go in and experience oh, it. I'm still not sure, man. Uh, I, I, I understand the theory and I get what you're saying, but I'm just not sure. Because well, no one's got the headset yet. But once, well, the new Xbox is coming out. The, the PlayStation had the VR headset, right? But it's the, the latency doesn't work. The new ones, okay. they will have got it sorted out. So Cause I, I know that a lot a of like... The... push at Christmas and I reckon that's where we're heading. Interesting. Well, we'll see if you've got the foresight to back that up. <laughs> no, I just, I think I have my own reservations. Like, I love the idea when I've been on, like, driving simulators and things and friends have got these crazy setups with the full rig and everything. And I've been amazed by it because it, it, it brings a new dimension to it in, like, I have a weird thing where I can't quite connect with the controller and the screen. It's like uh, I'm just I'm, I want to drive with my butt, you know. I want to feel what's going on. I can't mm. necessarily see and feel what's going on at the same time. And it's like that step with the VR was one step closer to it because obviously you're physically moving your head to look around the space and sort of being having a different kind of spatial awareness. I guess in I've not been on it yet, but I'd like to. Not. No, I'll have to check it out. I think there's mm. some people we know with them for sure. Mm. There is. <laughs> James, James Dean's got quite a good setup in his house, isn't he? I believe he has. Yeah, <laughs> those guys have been doing quite a lot with, um, yeah, with what's been going on with the absence of uh, the drifting series. You follow the drifting anymore? No, I, I do. Follow, that. No. I do follow Juicebox. I quite like their content. Oh, those the Irish the guys, Irish right? boys. Yeah, building their car, and I follow uh, Stav Tech. I quite like his videos. I remember him from. Yeah, the Driftworks Forum. Yeah, like that. But I He's don't remember much. Funny. I don't remember much about the drifting side of what he was had. He had some cool RX7. It was an FC, I think. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cool guy. That's a weird memory. Yeah, he's got a good YouTube channel. He's he. Uh, what was it? He said his last video. He said you're picking the bottom fruit. So it's the stuff that's at the bottom and it's cheap and easy. So it's things that don't cost anything, but great performance gains, like. Uh, I gotcha. And polishing and stuff like that. Interesting. Are you still into cars at all? Are you still doing this stuff? Not really. No, I drive a Toyota Corolla these days. <laughs> and your wife drives a? No, she drives the same car as I do. Oh, well, I was referring to the other Lad Bible comment that we. Oh right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I made another video for Lad Bible. That was uh, I had a Honda Odyssey and uh, I pimped it up while she was. Uh, I, I pretended I was going to get the MOT done. Uh-huh. We took it to a garage, uh, Attitude Autos out in Vista, and uh, he 
he modified it, lowered it, put nitrous oxide in it. <laughs> it's one of those frustrating things that I'm sure people watch him going like, yeah, sure, I didn't do that for real. It was set up. But I know you, and I know you'd have done it. You'd have just been like, wife, disappear for a few, <laughs> a few hours while you're at work or something. And you'd have just gone and just taken the car and just been like, there you go. This is our vehicle now. This is the car we own. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the advertising campaign for... Uh, What's it called? What's the new Top Gear show but on Amazon? Oh, uh, Grand Tour. Grand Tour. It was their advertising campaign. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite... How long did you keep it like that? My mate still got it. I sold it to a mate of mine. He still drives it. Is your face still on the front of it? No, no. We took all those vinyls off. But <laughs> What bits did you keep? The exhaust? Uh, kept the coilovers, exhaust, base cannon... Uh, strobes, oh, yeah. under undercar neons, nitrous oxide yes. was in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, I did say around the hour mark, we're just over that. We're going to ask some questions from the audience, but either I can't see them or they're not coming through. So if you guys have questions, then send them through. But otherwise, I'm just going to uh, throw some pop quiz style questions at Dan because that's just a feature that we're running with on the show at the moment. And it's working out pretty well because it always inspires a little story or two. And we've got some tailored to Dan this week. So, Dan, would you mind answering a few questions from a pop quiz? Yeah, no worries. Amazing. Appreciate that. Right. This one was actually, I'm trying different questions on the show with different episodes to kind of see how they play out. So, just don't overthink it. I feel like I know the answer to this anyway. Have you ever lied on your CV to get a job? I don't have a CV. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. My follow-up was, doesn't have a CV, doesn't need one. No. See, exactly. See, this works with other people, doesn't work with you. <laughs> Much better question coming up. What's the most amazing thing you've ever seen? Take a minute if you need to. The most amazing thing I've seen ever. My daughter being born. Ah. Oh. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. What a wonderful response. <laughs> you thought about that too as well. It's like, right, here's the stuff I've got to think about. Tick, tick, tick. No, no, that was the most. Getting married. The one yeah, thing. Daughter born. Yes. No, that was the one thing. When you see your baby there and you go, I'm, I, I'm now responsible for that child. And you don't know what you've totally. And it's like the most amount of love you've ever felt in one and it's like wow and see it on your face yeah yeah <laughs> very nice to see that it's very nice to hear that i feel like i want to follow up on that but i've actually got a follow-up to come and come back to you after we'll, we'll carry on what's the best thing you've ever done i mean that could be making a child but it could be anything could be anything could be an experience could be a thing the doing the gumball rally for and that year doing no way driving that was like a it was definitely one of those like moments of like oh this is like a once in a lifetime trip. Uh, that is interesting. It, it I was, didn't get back onto my gumball story, to be fair. But yeah, it was a very hedonistic <laughs> time, and it was like it was the height of our fame as well. And it was driving really fast. And I like, mean, because it was expensive, right? It wasn't like it was a thing that people just decided to rock up and do, right? No. We won't I get into who 40, paid what for what. Stop Forty what. grand or something, I think, to do it. But the craziest experience, you like, I literally flew the cars around on Antonov. Yeah, parts. and I went on the Antonov and flew on there. Ah, uh, now I remember. Okay, yeah. so there was a movie, right? And someone messed with someone's car? I weed on his on Bam's car and someone did a 
a donut in it and broke his clutch. In his Lamborghini. That wasn't me, though. That was one of the Gumball staff. And then he went and got his own back. Yeah. And And trashed his car at his house. He went to his house with paint cans. Why do I remember this? This is so weird. But it just goes to show, like, how many things that you were kind of involved in that I was, like, just witnessing at that time. I don't know how old I was because I went and I think I asked Gumball for a job. I think it was, like, one of my first, like, actual job work experiences. No kidding. I was, like, 17 years old. And I just hit them up and was just like, yeah, I want to work for you guys. And I got this opportunity to go and work for them down at um, MPH show. Yeah. I think it was. It was so hilarious that like you were doing that whilst I was like looking at it basically. <laughs> but they were super kind to me and I completely threw that opportunity away. I feel like this is a bit of a confession. I totally got offered an internship and just didn't show up. Like totally had the opportunity and I didn't know what to do with it. I was just like, uh, so Max, sorry. <laughs> sorry mate <laughs> one day I'll get an opportunity to buy a drink and hopefully you can forgive me <laughs> moving on right we've done what's the best thing you've ever done and I'm I'm, answer, I'm asking this cautiously what's the worst thing you've ever done well I asked, get asked this question a lot and uh, the worst thing I ever had to do was drink my friend's fat liposuction as tamer than I thought, but you know what? Well, I think we'll just stop it there because I don't yeah. think we need to know much more about that experience. No, That's rough. Disgusting. Yeah, no, definitely wouldn't do it again. There you go. It's cool. I wasn't. There wasn't a follow up. I wouldn't. Would you do it again? But I'm glad that you've specified. <laughs> That's not something that we're condoning. Don't do it. Have you ever thought about that, guys? You have it from someone that's done it. No, just don't do it. Right. Your no, body, I'll tell you what happens when you do it. You you well, you know that it's wrong, and there's something in the back of your mind that tells you you shouldn't do it. Like a bit of like primordial. Yeah, no, it's wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, God. We'll move on from that one. <laughs> I'm glad I asked it, but I'm also not glad at the same time. I'm a bit ashamed of myself for making it lowbrow. Here's a fun one. Have you ever knocked yourself out? Many a time. Really? The last one I did was I uh, cut my eye open on a snowboard, went snowboarding, and I was a bit drunk. And uh, it was in the evening, and they had, a kicker they had a kicker outside the front of the the, where, the lodge uh-huh. and a rail. And I was doing uh, lip slides on this rail, and I got really cocky, and I just was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And then my nose went underneath <gasps> the, the rail like that, and I just went bang like that, <laughs> landed on the rail, out cold. Out cold? How long? Yeah. I, it probably wasn't long, but uh, I was concussed. Oh, man. I've been looking into this recently, you know. We've been doing some research on documentaries that we might be looking at in the near future. And one of the things is, like, that's prominent. I don't know if you saw it recently, but Travis Pastrana was just mm. talking about um, very specifically head injuries and things. So they went and did a study. Oh, man, I wish I could remember. But the video is on, I think it's on Nitro Circus's YouTube channel. I've talking some of that, actually. You're joking me. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was in Vegas when he was doing one of the shows, and I'm in one of the shows, and I film it on my phone, and it's where he jumps off. Uh, face jumped off of the face thing, jumps right? off the thing, and, I, and the camera turns to me, and I go, I say something, I forget what it was now. It's on my YouTube channel. Oh, man. I forgot about that. It's so weird, these little random memories are coming back when we start having these conversations. But we didn't, you know, we've been looking into this stuff and obviously Travis Pastrana, another guy, blam, I, I feel bad, I forget his name, but they had a mad crash. They tried to jump um, 
it was like a little desert buggy thing. I forget what the brand was. Um, I think it was a Razor or something like that. Um, and they jumped it. They did the biggest, they did the record. And then obviously had a huge crash, did a bunch of rolls. And this guy was in a bad way. Um, I was really happy to see that he was like not, you know, he was actually okay at the end of it. But he was not the same afterwards. No. Uh, you know, and it was obviously very sad to see. But he's, he's all there. He's just not the same. You know, characters slightly off and all that sort of stuff. But none of those guys are all there, though. Like they've had head injuries for their whole life, and they're all they're all nuts. Yeah, it's a weird kind of fascination for me. I'm not sure where it's going yet. I'm not sure I've like pulled the thread quite enough yet to sort of discover where it is. But I'm, there's a fascination for me with that, and also the concussion thing. Um, you know this movie with Will Smith about the NFL and CTE. Yeah. Um, but mainly because, well, I think there was a couple of things that brought it to my attention, one of which was Dave Mirror, because mm. I was very lucky to interview him and, and film him um, just prior to him passing away. And I, it just was very much in my face at that point. I was like, hold on a minute. I seen this guy like two months ago and now he's not here anymore. But what? what's going on? And obviously mm. then posthumous diagnosis of CT. And I'm like, whoa. And then, like, this whole world just starts opening up to you. Well, did you see what happened yesterday? Well, today, I think. Sky Brown, do you know her? She's the Skateboard England. Uh, she's a young girl. She's going to be our Olympic hopeful. She's 11 years old, and she was, she's been training at Tony Hawk's ramp. He's got these two big vert ramps, and there's a massive gap in between. And a few days ago, she, was, she cleared the gap. But you can tell she's nervous about doing it. And then she's doing it again, and then she just misses the top of the ramp. Oh man! And flies through the gap, oh, man. The floor. But oh, there's man. no pad in there, and he's got pads there. And it, it's like, should they have even been doing this during this lockdown anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there should have been pads there. And should you be pushing young eleven-year-olds yeah. yeah. to get this much fame and like? Yeah, that's not cool. And I don't, I don't think it's right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in two minds, if I'm honest with you. But like, none of them are supporting that. Like, both of the my mindset is like, kids kind of need to be kids and do their own thing, and you know, fall and learn how to do that bit. You'll have much more of an, you know, much more insight on that. I'm just talking from a bystander's perspective. But like, you know, I see my my friends who have got kids and they let them kind of just like, oh, he fell over or she fell over and then gets up and they like kind of shake it off. They're looking for the cry. No, I'm good. I'm actually okay. They're kind of assessing the situation themselves. But as you said, rightly so, in that situation, it's different. That person's being like, oh, there's this Olympic hopeful. If you're encouraged to go higher and further and faster or whatever, that's a different story. Well, she has right? this whole prepared speech from coming from a hotel, hospital bed and it's like... Oh, it's, she okay? At least she, you could tell that she's not all right, but mm. she's put on this brave face and she's reading from a script. But oh, man. the whole thing is uh, doesn't sit very well with me, but it's fair enough, doesn't sit well with me either. Yeah. But check it out, Sky Brown, her name is, and it's on a YouTube channel. Oh, the best, at least, at the very least. Ah, oh, well, that was a bit of a sad moment. I feel somewhat affected by that. I need to check it out, but no, seriously, all the best with those situations kind of yeah just kind of those conversations within the whole extreme sports world but you know, like I said it's I'm not sure what that thread is being pulled on yet but that to be fair 
there might be one of them. Like how, you know, look at the athletes of, you know, the Tony Hawk generation. They were kids when they were like put into their, uh, I don't know what the first iteration was. It was with uh, Stacey Browder. Do you know this? Bones Brigade. Yeah, Bones Brigade. Yeah. Have you seen that documentary? Yeah. It's kind of weird, right? Uh, I really liked Riding Giants, really liked Dogtown. And then I watched that and I was like, huh, these people kind of seem a bit off now. You get yeah. the same vibe? No? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought there was too much Rodney Mullen in that documentary. And right, and they never addressed the fact that he's clearly got Asperger's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a genius. But, but they don't reference it. They don't no. talk about it. No. <laughs> so it's just kind of uncomfortable viewing. And it's like, okay, I can tell that something's not right here. But in the same way, that's like it just feels a bit. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not sure. Um, just doesn't feel good watching. And they it. shot them all from the same location, which is a bit of a pet hate of mine. Yeah, it's just unsettling. <laughs> You're like, I kind of feel bad watching this. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, cool. It's very obvious. Then once a simple Google, it's like, oh, cool. It's like I don't. It's not like they've put someone who's you know, like had some kind of trauma in their life in a situation where they're being forced to talk about. It. That's what it feels like to start with the yeah. way to put forward. Just very strange. But I think that was the first time that they'd all talked about it since they'd all gone their separate ways. Which kind of makes sense. The way that like a couple of them, Lance for one, sounds like he's talking about it from a not chip on his shoulder. But there's moments where you're like, he kind of talks about the other guys like they had stuff going on that he didn't. It was like, yeah, but that is pretty much what happened. He he got pretty much screwed over by all the companies, and he was he was the one that didn't have his own skateboard company. We did, right. but it failed. Uh, and he always felt like he was like a, he wasn't the best, but he was the funniest. And uh, yeah, he was kind of like, why he was a pro because he was, he was funny. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he felt like he was like the one that did the worst. Out of it. So Nike ended up giving him, a, making him a pro. So, uh-huh. which was quite tactical of Nike really, because as soon as Lance Mountain was a pro for Nike, then it made Nike a, uh, legit skate company. Huh. Interesting. Mm. Oh, my brain's just going off in many directions now. <laughs> right. Well, as I said, I'll get back to you on what my thoughts do on that documentary and where they go. But certainly, there's an interesting fascination with those people. That it's always been there since I was a kid. I was watching X Games and all that fun stuff. I've always kind of had been, you know, a bit enamoured with it. So. Hmm. Anyway, back to our little quiz that we've deviated somewhat from anyway. <laughs> <laughs> one for one for the CVP fans. At the end of the day, we're on CVP's channel. They're kind enough to host us. Let's get into some camera stuff. What camera do you use at the moment? I realise that you definitely have more than one. So I use all sorts. So I never really use one camera. I just use lots of different stuff. So I've been doing a load of stuff for Sports Banger. I don't know <laughs> if you're familiar with him. I'm not. He uh, he's a fashion and ra- he's a raver uh, and does collaborations with a raver. Does so mean that's raver. something that like used to exist? Yeah, no. Uh, he he's a self. That's how he described himself. He said, "I'm a raver." And uh, right, self confessed. But he's become quite political, so he does a lot of stuff with. Uh, well, he did these NHS T-shirts with a Nike tick underneath it. And uh, he's been selling them. And I think he's raised over 150 grand. What? And he's, yeah, and he goes and he supplies. You've got to give uh, me more information here. I've got to have more context here. What? What's yeah, happening with these t-shirts? Uh, he, 
he uh, what's the premise behind his t-shirts nike tick with a nhs thing on it what's that about yeah so he just started making them they were for the doctors years ago uh and he started making them and then he he donated the money to the nhs and since this covid thing's been going on he re-released them and he oh so he did this before now he did it about four years ago oh, no way. And, and then he started bringing these out for uh covid and he raised over 150 grand in selling these t-shirts and then he gives the money to all the people that work in the nhs around london and he makes them all juices and and gets these local companies to make the juices and goes and gives them to all the people working there that's so cool man yeah I you should check out so i've been i've been working with him and uh-huh. he, he said he did I was another person who just left, let me get on with whatever I wanted to do. So I filmed his fashion shows with a, a 360 camera on a cable cam, but then I cut it in with DV footage and uh, FS. DV footage? Yeah, and FS. We're back in time now, are we current day? No, no, but I, I put them, I lay them over the top of each other. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I need to explore this process, but it might be quite tricky without literally showing me. Well, I, I wanted, I wanted the the DV glitches. You know, when you go and import a tape and it's a really crap tape. And I'm very aware like, of this. It's been rewound two times. Like yeah, I kind of wanted to add that in it because, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's a guy I just seen doing this actually. You know what happened? It uh, kind of caught my attention because someone was doing a spec commercial and I'm just, I have different feelings about these things anyway. We'll get into that another time. It's not that important. But what he'd done is he'd done some really cool stuff. I want to say it was a signal bender. Are you familiar yeah. with this? I've so got, got one of signal, those. Yeah, signal bender. And he was doing all sorts of wacky stuff with like analog signals. Is that mm. correct? Yeah. And like making some, like you're, like kind of like what you're explaining, this like glitchy effect. Video synth. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, it's, I, I'm, you know, I, again, you know, to go on about it, but there these practical effects that I'm seeing people getting back to is really amazing. It's like, oh, cool. People are going like full circle. We've gone high resolution, dynamic range, da, 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 da. And then kind of getting back to like, oh, let's go and find some creative ways of it's utilizing. because of Instagram, because of that, we're back to a square now. So mm-hmm. like, it makes perfect sense to start using DV again because it fits the, the square yeah, yeah. way yeah, better. Of course. The four three, yeah. You thought about using film yet? You I use like... film a lot. Yeah. In in movie terms, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Uh, what, what are you reckon? I've got all sorts. I've got a Bolex. I've got nice. uh, I've got a Bolex eight millimeter, Bolex sixteen millimeter. Sixteen, super sixteen, or it's uh, I forget which one it is. That I've got. No, it's a. Uh, one of the really old ones, but it's got yeah, twin yeah. teeth on it. I'm not up on them. I'm I'm looking to educate yeah. myself here because I need to get it converted to single single perforation. Okay, is that what film you? Because all the new about? films just got one perforation. Gotcha. The old That's ones what... had twin, so the teeth I need to get them ground off. Yeah, yeah, of course. Otherwise, you just so if you're not shot with that one yet, is that what you're saying? No. Okay. I've got the film in my uh, fridge, and then I. I bought the film and then I bought the camera and then I realised that they don't work together. (laughs) (laughs) Did you play it safe? Did you go for some uh, stock that you were familiar with? I'm, I'm again, I'm learning. Try X. Yeah. Yeah. Is are looking for a particular look with that stuff or? Uh, black and white. (laughs) Okay. That's fair enough. The reason why I ask is because like, there's this, 
been this kind of interesting change in the landscape of like obviously a lot more people are using film within the means that we're looking at like a lot of commercial projects music videos these sorts of things these short form projects they can go like oh actually you know we've got this much money we're gonna go and rent this camera and lenses anyway and there is a way of actually being almost i would say cost effective it's always you've always got to explain yourself to someone at some point down the line when it comes to spending money on films but at the same time the 16 mil looks something i'm particularly interested in um when you get to 35 it's still you know in my mind it's like okay well with, with digital and the highest resolution and the best camera you can still emulate that anyway so it's yeah. like there's a character you definitely can't get from 16 and 8 mil that's like yeah of course you can get pretty good emulation but for doing it for real there's no you know there's no compromise right no and i bought that camera to do it with more but I, whenever i've got something i will always try and get film in there but like you said it's explaining it to whoever is paying the <laughs> <laughs> why do we need 400 feet of film Dan? yeah yeah <laughs> but uh I'll decorate my house with it yeah for sure yeah so if i'm ever doing a personal project i will always use it and i i shoot it on the side of whatever i'm doing as well so i i try and so say i'm doing a you can cut between the shots right so you've got two yeah, same angles similar i always try and like even just taking photographs on set now so whatever job i'll do i'll always document it all on a film camera so then i've got this personal record it's like you said about doing your cv that kind of is a cv then of everything you've been doing on i tell you what it was it's when i had my daughter i suddenly thought oh when have i looked at my old hard drives from 10 years ago so i got an old hard drive from 10 years ago and i plugged it in and it yeah. didn't boot up and i was like oh no i was like i need to be taking photos of my daughter on film so that she has a negative and she can see the photograph and that there's a, le- there's a lesson here for backup though isn't there yeah yeah well <laughs> but it's it's like you know is she is she gonna look through some of her, these old hard drives i don't think she is but she would definitely look in a in a book and see the photographs i completely get it i yeah. completely get it i mean tried to do you know i've been rocking the 35 mil stills for a little while now and just having them physically is so nice i've got like packets of you know like old school packets of photos that i'm just grabbing off the shelf and i'm like cool that was that thing and it's just there in front of you and you kind of just do find yourself with a moment of a day when you just go oh that's that thing and you know they might not be the best shots in the world but sometimes you might get a few little nuggets and it's just a memory isn't it it's just like oh that's that tangible thing that i did yeah but, it makes perfect sense if you've got a kid. You still want to start remembering stuff, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Different thing entirely, but to be able to, you know, obviously something I haven't thought about is actually being able to leave something behind to your kid and go, like, oh, cool, this is what you look like when you were a kid, yeah. you know, with your first skateboard and doing that stuff. But what a cool thing to have on film. I dare you to uh, boot up an old hard drive from 10 years oh, ago. Oh, no. <laughs> See if there's anything still on there. There's probably a few in here. The thing that scares <laughs> me the most is the old ones, the really old ones. I don't know which power supplies go for them. You put you. I've done yeah. this before. That was that was the problem I had. Yeah. You put the wrong power <laughs> power power supply into that hard drive, and it's just. I've done that before, a long, long time ago. I never do it again. But I've done that, and you just go, "How much data have I lost, and how much trouble am I in?" <laughs> I just leave them plugged in now, and don't, don't and then just wrap it round. I'm much more responsible these days. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple backups. If anyone's asking me for sending anything anywhere, I'm like, cool, let's copy that four, five times maybe. And then it's somewhere else locked in a safe. I don't know. A 
I believe there's there's a I think it's magnetic tape is the safest way. I've been told maybe. Well, that was also why I started shooting stuff on DV. So I realised I had all my old tapes from when we were doing those videos together, uh-huh. and I was like, well, I should probably start filming like her birthday on DV so that she will have a physical tape. And, you know, the tapes that I've got from 10, 15 years ago, they all still work fine. That's so cool. So, yeah. One thing I wanted to talk to you about is because you've got a daughter now and you did all this, you know, you come through the ranks of filmmaking and these things. I actually never, I never knew where you came from with filming. So it's been a bit of an education in that regard for me. But I feel like a topic I want to talk to kind of everyone that's in a creative field right now is how they feel about the state of, like, learning education how do you feel about your experience and how like that actually set you up for the path that you went on like is film school the answer is that you know just kind of want to get a bit of everyone's perspective on it really i don't think so i mean telling a story now everyone knows how to do it because everyone has this story that they're doing in their pocket their instagram their feed it's everyone's doing it and I mean, everyone I, I think i need to follow the people you follow because like the people that i'm following they don't have to tell a story at all <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's kind of it's ingrained in and kids are definitely being brought up with it now like you know margot she's like are we oh we're, we we going live or whatever it's like she'll know that's so funny he's aware of the camera and when things are being documented it's funny you mentioned that danny winship who was on the episode before you on episode five he, um, I met him through the skate park and stuff. And he's just a guy. He's a prop storeman. And he's been worked on some crazy, amazing films. Like, but his, um, he, sh- he sent me this clip where his five-year-old, he'd had, he'd fallen off his BMX. Danny, he'd fallen off his BMX, and his five-year-old had picked up his phone and just started documenting the process. <laughs> it was just like. Oh, dad's fallen off the bike. You're going to have to check it out. It's on his Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's a few posts in. But I just found that hilarious. Like, I don't know what our relationship was as kids around cameras, but I kind of like, it was very much TV and like famous people. And that was like the thing that, you know, associated with cameras and things. And like very much like, oh, if someone even had a camera, it was kind of a big deal. Like, why would you be filming stuff? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. We, went to, we went on a holiday at Christmas. We went to Bali. And we nice. had an old phone and we gave it to Margot just to use, to watch uh, downloaded stuff on when we were on the plane. But she just started using the camera and the video on it more than anything. And she started talking to it. And then <laughs> she was essentially vlogging. To, I'm not sure this is good or bad. but yeah, yeah. She was vlogging to her mate who was back home. And she was making her these little videos. No and way. her what she was doing on her holiday. So then we just sent them to her mum. and then the innocence of this kills yeah, me. But at the same time, it's kind of scary friend. too. It's like, what is the <laughs> what does that generation grow up to be like? <laughs> Jeez, but funny. I mean, that. I guess that yeah, that education conversation comes back into my mind just because of a number of reasons. Like I had a very unconventional way. I tried to go a conventional way. I tried to go to college and listen and learn, and it just didn't really work out that way. It was like was more interested in girls and beer and like not going to college than listening to you know the guys that I feel bad honestly if I'm honest for not listening to those guys go on grab your cup of tea (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad for not listening to those guys because like 
I, you know, shout out to him right now. Sean Doyle was my, my tutor and he was in love with film, but he wasn't in love with us. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, he loved the subject of film and was so happy to have a conversation with you about what it was that really inspired him. But for some reason, I was just at that one age; it just nothing got through until a certain point in time where I saw something that inspired me, which was oddly enough, drifting. And it was Stefan Bellini, Clash Production, that put Silverstone mm. film out um, with the cow, you know, Carabata. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't Carabata, was it? Sorry, it was Team Orange guys, Kuma Kuma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, put that video out and I was like what the hell and he's got this 35 minute adapter and that was the thing that inspired me to go and learn how to do that I was like how do I do that and I'll just kind of pull that thread and figure oh, the latest one yeah 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 the latest uh, one I've been uh, I've been watching a few of those on on eBay recently they're, You're they're, kidding. Not, they're not cheap enough how come on yeah but I fancy one how much TV. are they yeah yeah it makes they're, perfect sense yeah they're about 200 quid oh mate that's come on but I don't want to be paying 200 quid for a, for a DV adapter. I want, <laughs> I want sub 100. <laughs> they were expensive at the time though, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I never bought one back in the day. I think they were over 1,000 because were it they? was my league. And I was like, oh, crap. How yeah. am I going to figure that out? Like I was, when I was working, I was getting job, you know, I was getting cameras hired for me. I was very, very lucky that I was trusted with a camera after, you know, not doing a great deal in college. And I got a few opportunities handed to me and I was, happy to not squander them i was happy to find some creativity and like oh here's an opportunity let's run with this for a bit and i was very lucky that things started to work out for me after i started paying attention and working on shock <laughs> but no there's less adapters jeez i mean you guys let what does it have a lens mount on it what's the deal like does the it ones yeah i was after a canon one but i've only there's nikon ones on there as well <laughs> I, I need to find out what and how far this goes. I need to track that down just out of pure idle curiosity, like to see if it actually can produce an image, which is even, I don't know, anywhere near what my imagination remembers. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, Dan, I think we'll come to a nice natural conclusion there. Unless there's anything else you want to ask me. There's no pressure to do that at all. <laughs> You've been an excellent guest today, and I thank you very much for uh, indulging me in your secret fear of... <laughs> Seagulls. Being locked in a room with a with birds. <laughs> in fact, I had a seagull uh, nick a pasty off me the other day. I was down what? in uh, Hastings, and uh, I was walking along like that. I had this pasty. It was the first one I'd had since lockdown. I was really excited, and I went to take a bite out of it, and this seagull come down and he nicked it out of me hand, and I thought it was a bloke nicking it, and I almost squared up to him like. Oi. <laughs> and then, and he went like, and he swallowed it all in one go. But it was what? really. It How big really is a seagull? It was an albatross? Massive, yeah, but it was really hot, the pasty, and he must have burnt his gullet. <laughs> <laughs> that was his comeuppance, was it? Yeah, it like, must have really hurt. going to get you, seagull. <laughs> Did you go back and get another one? Yeah, no, I was like, I was just walking like that. Just in shock. Just felt fully... <laughs> <laughs> fully done by a seagull. <laughs> I'll try and compose myself. But no, Dan, honestly, I really, really appreciate you coming on today. And it's been fun catching up and reminiscing. I feel bad that we haven't caught up in that much time. But for sure, I'm definitely going to come down to a skate park for, for whenever the grand opening is. And hopefully it all goes swimmingly and all things go to plan. And I look forward to coming down to your skate shop and checking out what you're doing film there. For sure, I'll definitely be one of the first people signed up to come in and playing with some developing stuff because I've not had the chance to do that yet. All right, good stuff. 
you're mad. Well, Dan, again, thank you very much. Um, just for the audience listening back home, um, thank you very much for tuning in this week. Any other questions, feel free to hit Dan up via his Instagram and stuff, and myself included. Um, we're going to be on iTunes and Spotify as a massive urgency. I believe it's happening almost as we speak. This episode will be probably up tomorrow. If you want to check into it, and I know that it's not going to give anyone any context depending on when you're listening to it, but we're going to be on iTunes and Spotify really soon. So thank you very much for CVP for having us on again and uh, giving us this platform to actually have a conversation. Dan, again, thank you very much, dude. Thank, thank you, you very for much. giving the audience your time today on a Wednesday afternoon. Go and hang out and uh, hang out with your kids and your wife and uh, enjoy the rest of your birthday celebrations, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, buddy. Bye. See you, bud. Dan, Joyce, ladies and gentlemen, though, thank you very much. I'm incredibly grateful to all my guests for coming on the show. Next episode, we have Jax Harney. She's a badass colorist, so who knows what we're going to talk about, but probably something to do with the post-production. And, you know, hopefully she'll share some insight on how to make colors pop for your film. No questions about LUTs, though. If you can spare us that, that'd be great. Anyways, thanks again to CVP for having us. They're helping me keep the lights on, and I've got a lot of time for that. We're here for you guys, though. So if you've got questions, you've got requests, you want to get some people on the show, you want to hear from some certain people, fire them over to us either via CVP's Instagram and Facebook or the YouTube channel by the comments. Hit us up on Instagram, that sort of fun stuff. It's Josh Allen, director for me, cvp.com for those guys. Anyways, until next time.